Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell Podcast. Welcome to 2021. Welcome to season two. I am so excited that you are here listening to this podcast. I've had so much fun in the last year despite everything that has been going on. I've had a lot of fun recording all these episodes the previous year where I had women come on and talk about their personal health and wellness journeys. This season, as I mentioned previously in other episodes, I wanted to transition. While I still want to talk briefly about women's health and wellness journeys, I wanted to delve into more specific topics related to women's health and wellness. So I really hope that you enjoy these upcoming episodes. If you haven't noticed already, I created a new logo for this season, and I'm super excited about it. I think it definitely depicts the feeling that I want you all to have when you listen to this podcast, basically that it is of an of someone being uplifted. And so I really hope that these episodes do provide you with that particular feeling. I would love some feedback as always. So you can always reach out to me on social media if you want to leave me a comment. Also would definitely appreciate any ratings and reviews that you would like to leave for me on Apple iTunes if you do listen on that platform. With that being said, I am super excited to share with you our very first episode of this season, and it is on adaptive yoga with Dr. Ingrid Yang. I'm super excited to share with you this episode, particularly because I've followed Ingrid for a number of years definitely more than five years or so. And I actually had found her many years ago when I first started my personal yoga journey. I discovered yoga back in 2012 when I was going through a lot in my personal life and needed a safe place. And I had dabbled in some Bikram yoga during my fellowship training back in 2012. And when I moved back to Houston, I started going to yoga studio, which became my yoga home, and that was where I completed my yoga teacher training, my 200-hour yoga teacher training back in 2014. And throughout that training, I had grown so much emotionally as well as physically. I found a community for me, and from there, that just basically started my fitness journey. So I definitely feel an immense sense of gratitude to yoga and to my community back in Houston where I started my yoga journey. And in that journey, that was when Instagram was kind of a new thing. And I remember coming upon a picture of Ingrid during one of her workshops. And I was like, wow, she's a doctor and she also does yoga and teaches yoga and talks about it. It's so amazing. And so I kind of uh, forgot about her for until recently when I was in a Facebook group 
uh, a doctor's who yoga Facebook group and I saw her name and I said, oh my gosh, is that the same Ingrid that I followed so many years ago? And so we connected and I asked her, would you t- think about coming on to my podcast to talk about yoga? And she said, sure. And then it all kind of came from there. And so I recorded this episode about a month or so ago and I was so ecstatic to talk to her and hear her story and hear her talk about adaptive yoga. And so I want to share with you a little bit about her. And she is a board-certified physician hospitalist in San Diego, California. And she's been teaching yoga for over 21 years. That is so amazing. She is the author of two books, Hatha Yoga Asanas and Adaptive Yoga, which is what our podcast is about. She is an incredibly creative and inspiring yoga teacher. She's made it her purpose to incorporate medicine into yoga and yoga into medicine. Dr. Yang leads classes, trainings, and workshops all over the United States, Australia, Europe, and Asia. She's a certified yoga therapist and Reiki master. In her past lives, Ingrid was an intellectual property attorney, founder, and owner of Blue Point Yoga Center, and a jazz singer in Australia. When she's not doctoring or yogaing, Ingrid loves to surf at sunset, travel the world, and play on the beach with her dogs, Rusty and Gino. You can find out more information about her at IngridYang.com or on Instagram at IngridYangYoga. I had so much fun recording with her, and I want to give you the opportunity to take a listen to this episode yourself. And I really appreciate, again, all of you for tuning in weekly for these episodes. I have so many amazing women who will be coming on to this podcast in the future weeks to share specific topics. And if there is a topic that you would like for me to bring on to the podcast, definitely reach out to me and let me know. You can reach out to me on social media at Instagram, Michelle Dang MD, or at the podcast Instagram, which is wishwell.health. The blog is wishwell.health.blog. Tune in next week and every week for these episodes. I look forward to connecting with you all soon. Take care. All right. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Ingrid Yang. And she and I talked a little bit before we started recording. And I just want to share with you all that I actually had followed her for years and years when Instagram almost first came out on my personal Instagram page. And then we re- we connected on Facebook on one of the um, Facebook groups. And I was like, is this the same Ingrid Yang? <laughs> and of course it is. And a little bit about her. And, and I definitely want her to share her story with you all. She was first a yoga teacher, owned her own yoga studio. And then um, she was an attorney and then turned into, um, got into the field of medicine. So now she is a board certified physician hospitalist in San Diego, California, with a lot of exciting things coming up in the field of yoga. So welcome, Ingrid. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Awesome. So tell us a little bit, I know we chatted a little bit beforehand, but before we get into yoga, tell us about your journey. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I started when I was a teenager. Um, I was, I just started college and, you know, in in college, you're kind of free of all of the conceptions you had of yourself in high school, right? So you're like, this is a new start. Um, And I made a lot of great friends, but one of my friends was like, Ingrid, 
you're a lot. Like you got a, you got a lot going on up here in your head and a lot of energy. Um, have you tried and considered yoga? And I was like, no, because I'm a runner and that's how I get my catharsis. And I need to do like hardcore alpha kind of type A exercising. And so yoga doesn't seem like it's cool. And, <laughs> and so she brought me to a yoga class, which I thought actually was, was okay. Um, but I, again, only considered it as like an adjunct to all like the hardcore sports, competitive sports that, you know, I, was more appropriate for a really type A freshman in college. right? And then um, and I tried another yoga class during my freshman year, um, Christmas break, and I hated it. Um, it was like it was at a gym and the teacher was calling out all these Sanskrit words and people were breathing really hard. And it just like felt weird. It was just weird. It was, it was uncomfortable for me. Uh, and then and then again, during like the spring break of, of my freshman year, I went to a, a class in New York City. And this was like at a proper yoga studio. And um, I remember being in triangle pose and being advised to just breathe into my ribs and breathe into the moment. And it was like lightning struck. I was like, mm -hmm. I love this. And it, it was really the concept that the teacher really drove home in that, in that posture and in that class was that like, be in the present moment. Like you don't need to be anywhere else than you are right now. You don't need to be anyone else than you are in this moment. You don't have to strive to achieve anything. You don't have to prove anything. You can just be exactly as you are and you're perfect and whole just like that. And I was, that was a completely new concept for me. Now it's, you know, over 20 years later, I'm like, wow, you know, that's such a core part of who I am now, but was so foreign to me at the time. So my journey in yoga really has been a journey of, of self-discovery and um, the attainment of resilience and maturity, emotional maturity mostly. Um, and then, you know, I started pretty soon after I started practicing yoga quite a bit, you know, when you love something, you just want to share it. So I started um, teaching at like the local gym um, or like the college gym. And I still remember like, you know, I think I was like, Go, uh, turning almost, I was at the end of my sophomore year, almost a junior. And they're like, hey, do you want to teach these classes over the summertime? We'll pay you $30 per class. And I was like, whoa, wow. that's so much money. <laughs> As a college student, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and I was just so excited. And it really turned into something that was more of a gift to me than my students. Um, and honestly, at the time, I didn't even have a certification. I was just flexible and I'd practice a lot of yoga and I, I had some books. So I kind of knew how to put together a class, but um, I didn't get my certification until a couple of years later. Um, but then also I started, when I went to law school, I started teaching a lot then. And I went to, I went to law school at Duke. So um, it was in Durham, North Carolina, which wasn't quite as advanced in the yoga community as maybe New York City was. And um, so you really, I just taught at the gym and, I, and there was no yoga studios in town. And I still remember during, so law school's three years. During my fresh, my first year, L1 year, I, um, um, I maybe had like 10 or 15 people in class. And then by the end of my third year, there was like 70 people in class. Um, wow. And That's a it huge was, class. <laughs> it, it was huge. Yeah. And it was the kind of thing where people and people had been going, for, you know, every week for three years. And then it just built and built and built. And I remember people asking, you know, well, okay, so you're graduating from law school, you're going to go to New York and be a corporate lawyer. And then who's going to teach us yoga? Like, how are we going to get yoga? And this was 2005. So you know, there was no such thing as like 
online yoga at the time, right? Even at that time, um, yoga was not that huge of a deal as it is it now. It wasn't. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't very popular. And um, my, I, I, I honestly, I didn't have an answer for them. I was like, I, um, I'm go, go be at peace people. You know, I didn't have anything to say. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I went, I went to New York city and I, I practiced law and it was, it was fine. You know, I, but being, being in law school was much more fitting for my, for my, um, disposition, right. I'm very much an idealist and I believe in advocacy and, and helping others and serving others. And, um, you know, I tried a lot of different, a lot of different practices and, and departments in law, but I really never found one that resonated with me because I didn't feel like I was really helping people enough. And, you know, even, even then I was doing a lot of pro bono work for my corporate law firm. I still just didn't feel like, you know, because especially like when you're, I was a lot of immigration law that I was doing and it takes like years. So I wasn't seeing the kind of like feedback that I felt like I needed in order to, in that, in the manner that I wanted to help people. So after a year of practicing corporate law, I, and I, I was still kind of living like a college student because I didn't know any other way to live. I was like not spending any money. I was living with two roommates in New York City um, in the Upper West Side. And so I, I had, I was making a lot of money, but I was not spending a lot of money. So I had like something like $90,000 saved up from that year. Um, and I was obviously paying off. I, I paid off a lot of loans from like a company that started in college. So I didn't have, I had some loans, but not a lot. So I just took that little nest egg and I moved to North Carolina back to Duke, like literally open a yoga center across the street from Duke University. And so at this point, you had been gone a year? Like, you had been gone a year and then you came back? Was everybody year, like yeah. super excited to have you back, open up Everyone a studio? Everyone was super excited to have you back, yeah. And um, yeah, I was just, like, we were immediately in the black because um, yeah, I'd already built up a, a, a following there. And I, um, I mean, there wasn't really any other, any other yoga studio in town. So we were the only game in town as well. Um, so it was, and the community built so, so quickly and, and in such a beautiful way. I still, still remember like when we had our soft opening, I had a, a woman came in and with her friend and they were both pregnant and they said, do you offer prenatal yoga classes? And I was like, nope, but that's a good idea. I'm going to put it on the schedule for next week. And, you know, now her child is 13, you know, oh like, <laughs> it's crazy. Like how how, you know, the community, I feel like that was built around that, that place. And it, it felt very meaningful to me at the time. Yeah. And it still does. Awesome. So now tell us about your shift into medicine. Yep. So I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. My fat, my father's a physician and he's um, an OBGYN still solo practice, which you have to admire wow. that. He's still like, he's like, you know, I, he's going to hate me for telling his age, but he's like 71 and he's, he's still getting up at like three in the morning and delivering twins. You know, he's amazing. Um, and he's always been so dedicated. And so I, I grew up with that kind of value. And then, um, when I, um, but I never thought I was like smart enough. You know, it's like, I had an older brother and my brother was the one that was good in science and math. And I was the one that was good at writing communication. So obviously, you know, my brother was going to be the doctor and I was going to be the lawyer. And so it's always one of those two in Asian households, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that was what was predestined for us, right? That was like mm -hmm. red in the tea leaves. And so um, my my brother, interestingly, is now an investment banker. So he's not, also not a doctor. <laughs> um, he didn't like organic chemistry and decided it wasn't for him. Um, and uh, I I had I still had that nagging feeling like you know something's missing. So, and as in the process of of yoga and, and being you know, being learning mindfulness and meditation and looking within and to all like the monsters inside, right? The scary stuff. Um, 
I was able to kind of reveal to myself, like I, I have to pursue this dream or else I'm, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna forgive myself. So I um, started taking some pre-med classes while I was running my yoga center and, um, and was also very fortunate to be across from Duke Medical Center. So had a lot of doctors and nurses that would come in and take my classes and say, you know, you have, you have, you have a lot of knowledge in physiology and anatomy and like, you know, like, have you ever considered a career in medicine? I'm like, yes, I always <laughs> wanted to be a doctor, but I'm, I'm too old now, I'm 27. They're like, what? <laughs> so young, you could totally do it. So I was also very lucky to have a lot of um, very encouraging mentors that believed in me. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's so important in your life in general, right? Um, so took the pre-med classes and um, um, did quite well. Uh, luckily, I think, I guess I just had learned to be a student by that point. Um, but then applied to med school and got rejected, applied again and got rejected. And finally, after my third attempt, and it was actually my third and last attempt, um, because I was like, you know, maybe maybe the universe doesn't want this for me. And I'm, I'm meant to, to do something with yoga um, in, in this community or whatever it might be. Um, but this would be my last attempt. But also, I think I hadn't really applied as broadly as I should have. And so this this was me saying, you know, like, I'm going to throw all this spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks and was very fortunate enough to get into this med school. Awesome. I mean, talk about resilience. What was that like for you? <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, I, I say it in such a perfunctory way, but mm -hmm. it, there was a lot of crying. <laughs> yeah. sure. There was a lot of like, is this the right path? You know, should I be doing this? Should I just give up? You know, maybe I'm just fooling myself and always coming back to the medita meditation cushion and, and asking myself the questions and being curious about what my motivations were because, you know, people were like, well, you know, consider going to PA school or, and, and you know, ND school or RN school, there's a lot of other options. And I'm like, nope, there's something about the practice of medicine and the relationship with the patient that I know that that is had with the physician patient relationship that I really want. And I think that I could really um, thrive in for both myself and for those I want to help. And so, you know, luckily it worked out, um, but there was, there was a lot of, of angst in the process. And even in, in being a non-traditional student, because I was 30 when I entered medical school, as a first year and you know my colleagues were 22 and and seemed to have a much easier time getting through biochemistry than I did um, because I had spent the last 15 years of my life uh, writing as a way of being evaluated right and so suddenly needing to like bubble in scantrons was completely foreign to me um, but yeah you just you have to learn and you have to adapt and it was a struggle but I got through it and now I couldn't be happier. Yeah. And to kind of go talk about you being a non-traditional student, I think in some ways having that experience helps you a lot, just, and you know, not necessarily the basic sciences part of it, but certainly the clinical sciences part of it. Um, and do you feel like your yoga experience helped you in terms of dealing with having to apply three times and, um, just your experience as a non-traditional student? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with giving me a sense of purpose and self-worth as well. So, it, you know, I've published my first book during my first year of med school. Um, I'd been working on it prior, obviously. Um, but that, that in itself, when, when I, you know, when you're a first year, you're at the bottom of the totem pole, right? Your first year med student, you don't even have anywhere to put your bag or your jacket. You're just like, you have to like shove it in the corner and you put yourself in the corner, pretend like you're just melting into the wall and you don't want to bother anyone. Right? <laughs> um, so it did, if nothing else, give me a sense of, you know, like, when the whole world has beat you up, you at least have something to fall back to. 
and and for me it was not just yoga but it was also the mindfulness practice which which is very meaningful to me too and so uh, throughout your journey, um, we all know that medical school is so tough. Residency is even tougher. What was your yoga practice like during that time? Yeah, I, ha- I, I had to keep it up. It was it was the rock that was my foundation. Um, and also teaching was a really big part of that too, because I think, you know, we teach because we love what it is, the, the thing that it is. Um, but we also um, teach because we need to keep learning those lessons. So, you know, the things that I would the themes that I would bring up in yoga, my classes and my workshops would be really what I was going through in that moment. And saying it out loud and having others witness it keeps you accountable. And so the teaching part of it, and I was even teaching my fellow uh, first year med students. And interestingly, I got a message from one of them the other day um, saying, you know, I just wanted to tell you how how much it meant to me that when that you taught us that you spent your time to teach us yoga during our first year, like having that class every week helped me a lot through first year, but also the mindfulness practices that you taught us has gotten me through med med school and residency training. And now as an attending, I pass that on to my students and my uh, colleagues and patients. And so to know that just that time during med school had made such a big impact on her and she was able to take that foundation and um, share it with so many others is, I mean, that's, that's what you live for as a yoga teacher, right? For sure. And I think, um, you know, you talk about mindfulness and we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier back then it just mindfulness and yoga and all that was not readily available, was not prevalent. And now more and more just in recent times, there's so much talk about mindfulness, like five or 10 years ago, nobody really even knew what it was. So I think it's really incredible that you were able to bring that at a time when it really wasn't as common as it is now. Right. And into in a population who, I mean, med students are their harshest critics and, and to a degree, like you're expected to actually be perfect. And that's hard um, because it's not possible one, but, but you want to be that for your patients. And so there's a balance between accepting who you are and the imperfect, imperfect, the perfection in the imperfection, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But also knowing that being perfect is what your patients deserve um, because you want to be sure that you provide the best care and you see everything, you notice everything. Um, But it's it's a balance that I think needs to be struck, especially in medical training when you're struggling so hard to just get through each day. Exactly. And that's what we say in yoga too, right? It's practice and not perfection. So it's not really about being perfect. So, I mean, I know for myself, yoga has changed my life. It came to me when I was in a really rough time during my personal life. And for many people who don't really understand yoga or mindfulness, it's easier for them to kind of dismiss it like, oh, it's just so boring. And they think it's all just about the asanas or the poses, but it's so much more than that. And um, I think that, you know, what you've done over all these years is to bring the awareness of yoga, not being just the practice. And I think it's wonderful. Thank you. I I hope so. I think you know, it's easy to kind of, to get um, really wrapped into this, oh, look at this beautiful pose on this mountaintop where I'm teetering on this little peak and may or may not fall to my death, right? Like <laughs> we've heard of this happening on Instagram, right? Yeah. But like, um, it's not just about the perfection of the poses, right? It's about the, the relationship you have to the posture um, and the breath 
and the feeling that that comes up in the ego when you want to look perfect and, and do it perfectly. Um, and so, you know, it's my philosophy and, and I never had mirrors in the yoga center that I, I opened up because it really, the, the mirror is meant to be turned upon yourself, right? Not in the literal sense of the physical body, but in the emotional and spiritual sense of like, what, what's my actual reaction here? And, and I'm, am I reflecting and responding to this person because, you know, of my own BS? Or is it something that, 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 that can that mirror be turned around rather than reacting? Can mm -hmm. I actually respond and take care of that voice inside? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what we say a lot during yoga. It's not about what everybody else is doing, you know, and my favorite favorite thing, or one of my favorite things at the very end in Shavasana, when you're laying there, the emotional release that I feel, and it's hard to really explain to people who haven't really experienced that, but it just feels so amazing at the end of a class. Yeah. No, I, I still remember when, when, you know, through medical school is just, I remember studying for step one and it was obviously like the worst experience of anyone ever met student's life. Right. And I remember talking to a friend after the, the test and saying like, I realize I haven't taken a deep breath for two months because it's, I'm all here in my sympathetic nervous system and I just haven't actually breathed or taken a breath really. So, you know, that was very revealing to me because again, maybe I wouldn't have even noticed that if I didn't have the, the pranayama practice in yoga, but the fact that you can really start to access the breath when you're in a stressful place that's where all the change can happen. Right. And it's so funny when you said that I, I found myself taking a big deep breath just as you were talking about it. So breath, breath work is so important and it definitely helps with any stress or anxiety. Um, so definitely love it. And, um, so I want to kind of shift gears. I know you've done so much and it would be, we'd probably talk for hours with all the things that you've done over the years in terms of your workshops and your books and everything, but I definitely want to hear more about adaptive yoga. So for, and I myself don't know much about it. I know you wrote a book about it. So, um, tell us a little bit about what, what exactly that is. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, I think adaptive yoga is just yoga, to be totally honest with you, um, because we adapt it all the time, right? Like right now I have an ankle injury and I'm still practicing yoga, but I'm, I'm adapting it to my ankle injury. Um, but, and, and that's, I think naturally and intrinsically the, by the nature of, of yoga, it's adaptable, but it, in, we don't think about it that way. And um, so I did want to write this book in which we were really clearly instructed how to offer yoga to people with traditional disabilities. So the disabilities include low back pain, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, um, lower extremity amputation, spinal cord injury like paraplegia, tetraplegia, um, stroke, so hemi, hemiparesis and sometimes hemiplegia, um, and a cerebral palsy, multiple sclerosis, and Parkinson's. So it's nine what we consider pretty traditional um, disabilities. And I think the challenge is that even you know us as as dedicated yoga practitioners often will look at yoga ads and be like, well, I can't do that. So I'm obviously not a yogi. Um, and it, but that, that's what, you it's so interesting because yoga, that's not what yoga is about, right? It's not being like this, like super flexible, like Cirque du Soleil gymnast. It's really about the, the, the relationship you have with the practice. And a, a, a yoga session can be just breath work or can be mm -hmm. just Shavasana or can be just laughing yoga or um, restorative yoga, right? So there's so many um, varieties 
and styles that it can be adapted in with just the style, but it can also be adapted with um, the actual modifications within each posture. And it can also be adapted with the use of props and um, support and can also be adapted based on the way it's instructed and um, the, the manner in which the, the teacher or the instructor might be um, helping to, to adjust the actual practitioners. So there's so many, there's such a wide spectrum of adaptability in yoga, but we haven't made it in a very literal and obvious sense, uh, an obvious sense um, a clearly adaptable to those that have traditional disabilities. So I wanted to just, to make it, I mean, even though it's the kind of thing where like after it's out, it's like so obvious, but not until we make it really literal do people understand it. And for me, you know, I started out teaching yoga from books. Like there was, there were no videos really out there. There were no videos on YouTube, right? I don't know, was YouTube even a thing then? I don't think it was. So um, I learned yoga from my teachers, yes, but also largely through books. And um, especially because before, I, when I started teaching, I wasn't even a certified teacher yet, right? Um, so I really just wanted to give back to um, the, 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 process of books that had given me so much in the process of, of my yoga journey. Um, so adaptive yoga really is about offering yoga to people that so deserve and so need yoga um, who don't think that it's for them. And it really, really is for them. So how did you come up with those nine disability or nine uh, diseases? Yeah. So prior to my internal medicine residency, I did uh, one year in inpatient uh, rehab and as, as a resident physician. Um, and so it in part came from that experience, but it also came from um, my experience as a yoga teacher. So people with Parkinson's, like they, there are very specific things in which you can actually help with therapy. So like you wanna make really big movements, right? And, and so that's super applicable to yoga because then you can do like goddess pose and warrior two and triangle. And there's a lot of really big poses that are really appropriate for Parkinson's. So I try to think about how does yoga fit into disabilities and how does disability fit into yoga? So really took, I co-authored -author, this with a doctor of physical therapy, um, one that I met during my year in inpatient rehab. And he and I had started a yoga program at the inpatient rehab hospital. Um, so it was very um, sort of a very easy transition to start writing this book with him. Um, and so we took a very rehab approach of sort of a physical point of view, like how, how is this gonna help with um, a person with multiple sclerosis? How it's gonna help their function um, or a person with amputation or something? Um, and then how can yoga really help in order to, to improve their rehab and be incorporated into their rehab plan? Um, so it really was like, what makes sense logically and how and, and which, which conditions can yoga help the most with? So for instance, traumatic brain injury is one of the very traditional rehab uh, modalities, but it, it, would have been, it would have been too hard to write. It's not included in the book because it would have been too hard to write about um, TBI um, because there's such a broad spectrum of the way it presents and often TBI, TBI patients have a hard time um, following instructions. Mm -hmm. So it really was what fits with yoga and what fits with the disability. So is this something that it's for yoga practitioners or yoga people who are teaching yoga or can people who actually have these disabilities utilize this themselves? Right. That's a, that's a really good question. So the target audience is um, people, yoga teachers who want to teach people with these conditions, the actual individuals with the condition and physical therapists that want to incorporate yoga into the therapy plans for any of these people with conditions. 
Are there any types of video tutorials or what's next for adoptive yoga? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you're motivating me. Um, yeah, I, I, I do plan to at some point put together some videos that go along with the book. Um, it's just going to take some time for now. I do have a couple of workshops planned. The first would be, um, a day long live stream workshop on, on January 16th. You can just sign up for my website and that's going to cover all nine condition states. It's a nine hour workshop. So one hour per condition state. Um, and it'll be for medical professional professionals and yoga teachers who want to learn how to teach these students how to, to practice um, from an adaptive yoga standpoint. That's really great to have the option. And is it, is it, do you have to sign up for all nine or can you pick and choose which ones? Right. So it's just a one day workshop. So it, it's, you have to sign up for like the workshop, which includes all nine. Um, and they all kind of link together, right? So people don't, for instance, the first chapter of the book is low back pain. And people don't often think of low back pain as a disability because um, everyone's got low back pain, right? I'm a chronic pain management doctor. So it definitely <laughs> is a disability. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so, but the reason why we chose low back pain to start is because it sets a foundation for the rest of the book. So you, it is helpful to, to participate in all of the condition states because um, you'll see that there are linkages and you'll learn you know, about movement disorders in Parkinson's so that you can apply some of that to, to, to multiple sclerosis or um, there'll be some things in amputations that you'll be able to apply to spinal cord injury. So a lot of it is linked. Awesome. Are there any other workshops coming up for you that you wanna share? Sorry, say that again. Are there any other workshops or anything coming up for you other than adaptive yoga that you would like to share? Yeah, so yes, <laughs> very exciting. <laughs> this is actually the first time I'm announcing this, but I will be also teaching a 200 hour teacher training um, come, coming this summer. It's gonna be eight weekends long and it's gonna start in June and the plan is to end in August. Obviously we have to take like July 4th off, but, um, and this, I'm teaching it also with a doctor of physical therapy. She's also a yoga therapist. Um, so we're both yoga therapists and yoga teacher trainers and medical, medical professionals. And in particular, we really wanted to gear it towards, um, you know, everyone, but people that really want to take a well-researched approach to yoga. So rather, you know, what there's a, a place for all kinds of yoga, but um, I, we really want to, help to train yoga teachers that are really well informed in the healing properties of yoga. Um, so it's going to be a vinyasa based practice because that's what we practice and that's how we were trained. And it makes most logical sense to link breath with movement for, from my point of view. Um, and so you're going to learn how to teach like the hardcore yoga vinyasa practice, but it will really be coming from a why do we do this, right? Why do we spread our shoulder blades out when we extend in warrior two? Why do, why do we, you know, um, engage the core and open the heart when we're in chair pose? So it's not so much just like just do chair pose. It's mm -hmm. why are we practicing it and how does this help and what are the mechanics behind it and what are the healing properties behind it? So we really hope to um, deliver uh, the standard of um, 200 hour teacher training that we had, we, we want, we'd be proud of for any of our, our teachers to become our teachers as well. 
That sounds so amazing. And I will say, um, you know, completing my 200 hour yoga teacher training was life-changing. Um, it was an immersive experience, but just incredible. And I will never forget that experience. So it's super exciting that you're offering this, especially in the way that you are talking about it. I think it's wonderful just to have that foundation of why we, we do what we do. So I would, oh my gosh, I just, I love yoga and I could probably talk to you for hours and hours, but we are running out of time and I want to be sure that you have the opportunity to share with everybody how they can reach you, how they can find you, how they can sign up for all your workshops and all the incredible things that you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no. Um, so just find me on ingridyang.com, I-N-G-R-I-D-Y-A-N-G.com. Um, I'm also, as you mentioned, I'm pretty, um, I try to be pretty active on Instagram. It's always hard when you're working as much as we do. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I usually offer a lot of tips and videos and um, philosophy and words of inspiration, hopefully on, on um, the Instagram. And I'm also teaching a retreat coming up in Portugal in September, because oh I feel gosh. at that point, we'll all have a vaccine and we'll be ready to travel and it'll be very exciting. Um, so, I'll have to yeah, join have me. To that's like on my list of places that I've always wanted to go. I've never, I've never been. So it sounds incredible. And this is like the most stunning retreat center I've ever seen in my life. I was like, I can't, I, I need to do this. You know, like I'm probably not going to make any money on it because it's so expensive to rent it. Um, but it's worth it to me to just go and, and share it and experience it with other people. Awesome. Sounds amazing. I'll definitely have to kind of keep in, keep an eye out for that um, in a couple of months. And the last thing, is there any advice you can offer to people who are maybe hesitant about yoga or want to, you know, just want to dip their toes in? What advice can you offer to them? I'd say find a teacher that resonates with you. So I think a lot of people are like, well, you know, my, my doctor suggested I do yoga or my wife really wants me to do yoga or something. And they'll kind of force themselves to go, but you know, it'll be like, I really don't like hot yoga or, you know, th this, this yoga class was a little too slow for me. Then try a different teacher, try a different style. Cause there will, there's no question that there is a style of yoga for you. And there's a teacher for you. You just have to find the one that actually resonates with you. So try not to force a square peg into a round hole, right? Like really find the one that speaks to your heart because it will just like with you and me, it'll be life-changing. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Ingrid, for taking your time out to record with me today. Thank I'm looking you. forward to continuing to follow you and, and hopefully meet you in person one day soon. Yes. Hopefully at a retreat. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Michelle. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness. Thank you.